This is Business Women Australia podcast, featuring industry leaders who bring their wealth of expertise from diverse areas to help you build a successful business. Now, on to the show. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. Now, my guest today says, success is what happens when preparation meets knowledge. Joining me on today's show is Dr. Sasha Fulton. Now, Sasha, she is a highly respected as well as qualified consultant, a trainer, a coach and workshop facilitator, as well as an author on peak preparation and performance. Now, as the owner of Peak Preparation and an Australian leader in sports science, Sasha offers offers over 15 years of experience in the field of scientific training and preparation techniques for individuals, organizations, community groups and schools. And she is a speaker on subjects ranging from ranging from leadership through to team performance and motivation to health, nutrition and well-being. She's also an accredited sports scientist and she's often sought after for her expertise as a coach and consultant and athlete and team preparation specialist. And this is at local, at state, national and Olympic levels. We have the honour and pleasure of interviewing her today. So some of the things that she'll be sharing on today's show, how can we gain a new way of defining success and why is that important? She's going to be talking about how we can understand leadership values and apply them to critical decisions so that we can redefine success away from the numbers and more towards values, especially for organisations. And she's also going to share with us a new matrix for peak preparation and leadership. Welcome, Sasha. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely to be on the show. We have, um, as I said, an honour to be able to speak with you today because you bring um, science and experience and a wealth of of knowledge and expertise across a lot of diverse areas. But if uh, we're correct in assuming, we really can leverage these in a way, as you said, to redefine success and within leadership, um, within the the workplace, and even I would imagine in our individual day-to-day lives and business as well. What what is it about these particular topics that you're so passionate about? Share that with us before we dive in. Sure. Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, look, I think um, as I said, I like to every now and again I'll look back on my career and I'll look back on the different experiences that I've had and the different athletes that I've worked with or the different places that I've been and the different um, sort of pursuits of. Um, uh, high performance that I've been involved in Um, and I think that sometimes you look back on that and you can't help but think that there's there's accumulation so all of those little bits have accumulated to kind of where I am now where my current thought process is Um, and I just think that there are uh, I get so excited and passionate to think that there are different ways of doing things um, potentially safer ways for doing things. I'm quite invested. I have a little girl um, who's turning four at the end of this year. So I think my whole mindset has shifted in terms of, you know, I'm more interested in youth athletic development at the moment than I am in um, developing Olympic athletes just from, you know, from that um, where my sort of current life stage is at. Uh, and I just think there is so much that we can learn from you know, all these different books and these different experiences and being able to bring it all together. 
Yeah, I love that. Isn't it interesting how we can bring our experiences and and insight and hindsight can be valuable in in shaping and reshaping, redefining, if if you will. And that leads us beautifully into the first point about gaining a new way of defining success. So share with us what that is and perhaps even look at, well, what was success the way that you looked at it previously? And of course, now that you look at it now, why is that so important to define this new way? Yeah, look, I think um, whenever we work with Olympic athletes, there tends to be so much um, so much weight that's put onto um, quantitative and numerical um, ways of defining success. Mm. So, so usually, you know, if I ask an athlete. Um, you know, what is your measure of success for this current season? They'll tell me that it is reaching a personal best time or it is um, reaching a different rank or it's reaching a, a height that they've jumped or a, you know, jumped or a, a, a length that they've jumped or a speed that they've been able to, um, you know, achieve. And it's all very numerical. And I sometimes think that there's, you know, so many of those things can be outside of our control. Um, and sometimes there can be so much weight on looking at, well, what are the, what are the qualitative things? Um, what are some more of the things that we can control? So if the goal is to win the premiership, but we don't win the premiership, does that mean that the season has been a complete disaster and, a, you know, a waste of time? Or is there still something that we've been able to take away from that? Um, and so I've been, uh, you know, and again, I, I always remember back when I was working very closely with Olympic athletes, um, and I still work with high-performance athletes now, not um, as much as I was in the past, but, um, you know, we were always asking about those. It was always very numerical. Um, and again, I just sort of can't help but thinking now that there's another way to look at success. Um, not to say that those markers aren't important and, you know, businesses need to have, you know, KPIs uh, that they're, they're reaching, but I, but I wonder if it can be more a balance, a healthy balance between qualitative and quantitative rather than just these numerical values, which, you know, can be really hard to achieve all the time. Yes. As you're explaining that, it makes so much sense because um, I'm, I'm reminded of how teachers sometimes um, mark answers to different examinations. And I recall, and I'm sure this has continued to, to be explained to students, that when you show the workings out, whilst you may have the wrong answer, I can also mark you for the right way in which you were coming, you know, the the the, the different equation and how you were coming. Absolutely. To answer. And so if we're only judged on, well, we didn't achieve this, we didn't win, we may forget that, hey, you ran your best. Hey, you know how you used to hold yourself. You're actually doing it the correct way. So, you know, no, no injuries long term in a business sense too, uh, these things you are achieving and that's great because previously you didn't. We miss a lot of insight and learnings along the way if we only measure the outcome on success numbers. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that school one is, uh, you know, it's a brilliant example. And that's why teachers are, all, you know, always encouraging students, you know, never just write the answer down, always put in the equation or put some notes around how you think you're going to get to the answer. So that even if the answer happens to be wrong, there's still some, you know, some points that can be gained. And, uh, you know, I think to look, some of the most, um, you know, I mean, I think we've got a real, um, at times we can have a real problem around talent identification. Um, and we tend to, you know, it, it's so easy for a coach to look immediately at what's in front of them. So they've got an athlete um, that's come across. The athlete is required to do a come and try day where they might do a series of tests of jump height and speed and acceleration. But so rarely do we then ask the athlete about their character, you know, what drives them to success, um, where have they come from, and then knowing how much of a gap, you know, can we fill um, and some of the best coaches in the world, I mean, the, the you know, famous Jamaicans and the Jamaican sprint coaches, um, one of the things they pride themselves on is not looking at, they like to take in the athletes that have been overlooked by other academies. They love that because they see it as a sense of, um, you know, there's something that we can convert here. Uh, and I don't know if you remember back in the day, Asafa Powell, one of, uh, you know, a 100-metre record holder and, and gold medalist, he was overlooked for so long by certain academies. Um, but come into the right hands, who was able to sort of nurture him, see how much growth he had, you know, his potential to grow and see that, that inner drive, that absolute... Um, sort of grit, that resilience, that inner motivation. Um, and that was really, what, you know, what, what made them go, well, hold on a minute, even though he's not telling us on paper right here and now yes. that he can be a world record holder, give this athlete 12 to 18 months, it's going to be a different story, mm. you know. So I think um, that potential, that um, potential for potential, if you yes. like, there's sort of so much that we can hold in there. Yeah. And, you know, if an organisation were to only measure on the KPIs and not look at um, an individual or a team through the lens of, say, um, that coach who looks through the lens of obviously that person with the right training and the right environment and support became that, that star athlete. If we continue to only look at the KPIs and results, there are people within our team that then could never achieve that potential because it can impact your mindset. You talked about character. I think mindset can have such an impact on how you steward uh, the journey towards reaching that potential, if you would. Would you say that is true? I mean, I'm sure you've seen that within the sporting um, with athletes, but within the, an organisation that's just as important, yes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think at the Olympic Games we, we see it literally for how it is. So you get to the, you get to the 100 metres um, final and you have eight athletes on the start line, um, which is in a way, you know, it's no different to having eight businesses on the start line, if you like. Um, in terms of, you, you know, the, the revenue that they're going to build for that year, the, um, you know, minimal staff turnover for, you, you know, all of those different metrics. 
Um, it's just the athletic one is the one that we can see. Uh, and so it's, I, I don't think it's really any different. And, and really, when it gets to the final of an Olympic Games, you know, everyone has a realistic chance of winning the gold medal. Yes. Um, you don't get to be the, the top eight sprinters in the entire world if you don't have a realistic shot of actually winning this thing. Um, but I think it's a, you know, and we look, we saw the domination of Usain Bolt just as an example for so many years. And yes, he did have, you know, you know, very unique physiological and biomechanical sort of characteristics, but he also had this incredible ability to focus in on the task at hand. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I often talk to, um, when I talk to athletes and businesses, I think what goes a long way to success is being able to avoid the distractions. Yes as well because that you know especially in this day and age of the world that we have where we're distracted all of the time you know we've got emails coming in left right and center we've got social media we've got people on the other side of the, the universe contacting us at, at all sorts of times and we've got messages pop up and notifications here there and everywhere and so often I think it can be those athletes or, or businesses or organizations that can avoid how do you weed out what is just distraction right now and what is the key piece that's going to help me take the next step? Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, total sense. Something about the distraction, if you look at, and I love the analogies and the comparisons that you are sharing with regards to, you know, key athletes and business. There are, as you say, there are so many different comparisons. So many businesses, what we tend to do with the distraction is, is particularly around the marketing, isn't it, areas or um, if there is a problem within the business. So rather than looking at, well, what are the ways that we have been trying to achieve that? What can we change um, incrementally? that can make a difference and see if that we can make a difference. How important is it when maybe through the lens of looking through the lens of an athlete and that we can obviously reflect to in, in our businesses and, and leadership, we know that we don't want to focus too much on our weaknesses because there's areas of strength. But if we're, if we're not addressing areas of, say, a weakness, that can become a hindrance, can't it? to even our strengths really playing. So share a little bit more about that. How important is it for us to be aware of, well, what are some of the areas of weakness that we want to build up whilst also focusing on strengths? Is there a balance? Is there something you can share in there? Yeah, it's a, it, it's a really um, interesting concept because, um, you know, I guess when you're talking about um, such a high-performing um, individual or a very high-performing organisation, th there is. It's a fine line between do we focus on our weaknesses or do we absolutely capitalise on our strengths? Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's probably, you know, there's going to be, you know, one or two weaknesses that, are good to focus on because they keep the learning and the growth and they keep the motivation and they build resilience because it's it's okay to get knocked down. Uh, you know, it's about how we get back up again, um, uh, you know, that really defines that sort of um, that ongoing greatness. Um, I think, um, I mean, maybe this one alludes itself a little bit to, I'm not sure if you've heard of the um, 
the hedgehog, hedgehog concept. Um, this is the one that um, Jim Collins talks about in his, um, in his book, Good to Great. Uh, and he talks about um, the hedgehog concept being simplicity uh, leads itself to greatness. So um, when confronted by a predator, the hedgehog's instinct is to curl up into a protective ball. ball. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and it's this, it's this one single response that's so, so simple, yet it works as a, an absolute response to sort of any attack that comes its way. Um, and so he sort of takes it as a, compet, uh, you know, a concept that should companies then focus on doing one thing better than anyone else in the world? Yes. Um, and that single function sort of becomes the organisation's hedgehog concept. I guess we, um, you know, we saw it with um, uh, why when we started, you know, getting that really um, good understanding of why do we do what we do? Mm -hmm. Not what do we do, but why do we do it? Um, and understanding, you know, um, some of these, you know, incredible organisations like Apple who have, you know, single-handedly kind of revolutionised the, the technology world with iPhones and iPads. Their concept is, at the end of the day, it's relatively simple, but they do it better than anybody else. Yes, um, great so, concept there and such a reminder, isn't it? What is that one thing, that hedgehog uh, principle for our business and even personally too? You know, we each have unique gifts and talents and strengths. What is it that we can bring to the table, even as a team, um, that together collaboratively ensure that our team is at the top of their game on any project, you know, and delivery, such a, a great reminder because we're so often comparing ourselves to others and trying to to play the game at their level, so to speak, but that may Absolutely. not be our strengths. Absolutely. And, and funnily enough, literally just recently I've been speaking with a running group and um, the, the, the girls in the running group, they're very honest and very forthcoming, but they say one of their biggest um, distractions are the other individuals that turn up on the start line. And if somebody else has longer legs than they have, they can almost put themselves into a mindset of, I'm done, I'm out. Like I'm, I, I don't have a place in this race because this girl has a longer leg. Um, and that is because they are building an assumption that a, leg, a longer leg leads to a greater stride length, which leads to a faster time. And it's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> hold yes. on a minute. Let's um let's let's bring it back to you and what you have because you can't control the length of somebody's leg that turns up on the start line, right? Yes. Um, and there are so many things that are outside of our control in terms of when we're in business or when we're in sports or when we're in music. We can only control. We can mitigate as much as possible. Um, we can brainstorm. We can prepare. But there's always going to be something that is outside of our control. Yes. Um, and so, again, you know, being able to avoid the outside distractions, not focusing on what we can't control and bring it right back to sort of simplicity. I mean, I've just uh, finished reading Ash Barty's book. Mm. Um, fantastic, really excellent book. And she'd often talk about, 
you know, she'd turn up to a game and she'd have game plan A, B and C. Um, and every now and again, she'd just, she'd look at the opponent in front of her and she'd, she'd be in the right mood and she'd just say, actually, B and C are not coming into play today. today. Yes. <laughs> game plan A, no other alternative. This is what we're doing. Um, you know, and I think, you know, also being able to have that, you know, they talk about um, <clears throat> these, um, you know, different uh, characteristics of high-performing teams. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, you know, one of the big, I've got a few notes here that I'm just referring back to. Um, one of the, the concepts that they talk about is that inherent trust and respect for each member of the team as well. Um, and I think, you know, really being able to, what is the value of the organisation? What are the organisation's values? How do they align with each individual's, you know, personal values? And how do we use those values as a point to build this inherent sort of trust and respect? Yes. Because if we've always got the trust and we've got the respect for each other, then it makes, you know, working out whether we attack the weakness or attack the strength, it at least means that we're going in this together. Mm -hmm. That makes so much You know. And those core values or values of the team, I think, really gel, don't they, or need to gel and, and are so core established that it, it's what hold the teams together. And I'd imagine, too, that if we're able to recognise, you know, together what is our individual strengths that no other organisation can really capture as they're delivering um, their services and support. When we're able to define, well, when we're at our, to the top performance of our game, we're, in it, we're at top peak, what are the core values that underpin that? And if we're able to define those, we can continue to live that out consistently day by day, even when things don't turn out as, as they planned because we've still got those core values are driving us no matter what the, the outcome, the num numerical outcome is, can we say? Is that what you found? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, I've got just a couple of sporting, I hope you don't mind me referring to the sporting stories all the oh, time. I love but, them. Uh, I love them and I'm they're sure. the ones that are front and front and centre of my mind all the time. And, um, you know, I look to, so I'm looking at, and I'm thinking of two stories very far apart in, um, in age. So one is Stephen Bradbury, who, you know, I think we all know in Australia for winning the gold medal because everybody else fell over. Um, and it's like, well, hold on a minute. That's a very simple way of looking at his win. And what, what a lot of people don't know about Bradbury is just what it took for him to even get to that Olympic final. So he had to overcome um, a, a broken neck uh, to get to that final, a catastrophic training injury, um, he also, you know, those blades are razor, razor, razor sharp. He had a blade in training a couple of years prior to that gold medal. He had a blade. He fell onto the guy in front of him and a blade went through his leg and he lost four litres of blood on the ice. And, I mean, near-death experience, had to come back from all of that. Um, and even going into that final, Bradbury was the first to say, I'm not the fastest athlete in this field. My goal is not to be at the front and snap the win. What I have to do is I have to hang back a little bit and I have to hope that somebody else makes a mistake um, because if somebody else makes a mistake, then I'll really put myself in at a good shot of a medal. 
of course, what he didn't bank on is that everybody would fall over and he would come through, <laughs> you know, through the gold. Um, but he wasn't going into the final saying, I'm the fastest in the world and I'm going to win the gold medal. Um, same as I look at Eileen I, I Gu, um, uh, this gorgeous Chinese-American um, freestyle skier who competed at the last Winter Olympics. And um, she was born to a Chinese mother and an American father. Um, she was the face of the game. She's a model and like a fashion expert as well. Uh, and even prior to the game starting, all of these interviews were, you know, what's it going to be like when you win the gold medal? Um, and, and she sort of, she'd look at the reporters and she'd just say, as far as I'm concerned, I've already won the gold medal. <laughs> I elected to compete for China. I, I could have chosen to either keep compete for, um, you know, America or China. I've chosen to compete for China because I can influence a billion women. Wow. I have the ability now with my face and with what I'm doing, I can influence a billion women to follow their dreams and, you know, achieve their goals. So yeah. as far as I'm concerned, you know, gold medal or no gold medal, I've already won. Yeah. Um, and I just, I love those sort of stories as sort of sobering reminders, I guess, mm -hmm. of this, um, yeah, I guess this success pathway and this leadership pathway that we're all sort of yeah. on ourselves. Amazing. I love both of those uh, stories. Let's talk about this matrix. You're saying there's a new matrix that will help us uh, be at our peak or peak preparation as well as leadership. What do we need to know here? Um, yeah, look, this is a uh, this is a matrix that I have. Um, uh, I guess it was it's a it, it's a matrix inspired by five C words. Now I better um, 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 clarify that they're all um, they're all very um, okay C words. They're very good C words here. Um, and I guess I, I liked the five of them. So the five of them are competence, confidence, connections, character, and caring. Uh, and, and I think initially uh, these five words were used in an education setting um, as sort of five um, ways of ensuring that uh, we're meeting all the goals that we need to know for education. Uh, and I just uh, sort of, I guess, put a slightly different spin on them um, to sort of say, for me, they felt like they were the start of um, values that for me were very much inspired through sport. So what I ended up doing was I ended up going through and just allocating uh, three values to each of those words. Yes. So um, the competence values were wisdom, learning and growth. Um, confidence values became courage, resilience and integrity connections values became gratitude authenticity and responsibility our character values became kindness patience and forgiveness and the caring values became respect listening and compassion mm. and i sort of found that um, if a team 
was um, required to go through a process of redefining their values by starting with this one sort of fairly simple exercise and matrix and picking one value from each of those five categories. So one out of three values, whichever mix match of values um, the individuals chose, they ended up being a set of values that could really carry a team through, mm. if that makes sense. So there's always, there was almost nothing lacking as long as one from each category was chosen. Um, and, and when I run a presentation, um, which, which I do on sort of values inspired through sport, there's so many stories, like so many incredible sporting stories that I'll often come up with about these great acts of sportsmanship, which were really, you know, at the end of the day, they were great acts of values. Yes. Um, they, they were not, you know, this was not, um, so the one that I'm just thinking about now, um, uh, 1996, it was around the world um, global yacht race uh, in sailing. And um, of course, you know, I, I know I can't remember how many yachts set out, um, but, you know, it was basically whoever circumnavigates the globe first is the winner, basically. Um, a very, you know, honourable thing to have won. But um, about a month and a half, so I think this is about a three-month event, um, nice. and about halfway into this race back in 1996, um, there was a May Day alert from a competitor um, it was the French sailor, uh, Raphael Dianelli from memory, and his yacht had been wrecked in a storm in the Southern Ocean, um, and he was in desperate need of help. And uh, Pete Goss, um, another sailor in the race, he was the first to receive this Mayday, you know, this Mayday help. Um, and, you know, without being told what to do or, or anything, he immediately abandoned his course in the race. Um, and set off sailing through these hurricane winds to, to rescue Dianelli. Um, and despite, you know, his own yacht was knocked down various times en route, um, he managed to, to locate this sailor. I think it was actually um, uh, with the aid of an Australian Air Force plane, but they managed to, to locate him and save him. And the two have remained very close friends to this day. Um, you know, so there was no amount of, um, there was no training, there was no rule that had told him this is what has to happen when you get a May Day alert. Mm. It was a value that took over that said, right now it's it's way more important for me, um, it's more important for mankind that I rescue another human being than I try and win a, a yacht race, you know. Um, and I just think, um, again, not to say that, performance is not important um, but I think you know sometimes there are different ways of looking at performance and therefore different ways of redefining success yes wow what a what an incredible story and that really does um, highlight the value 
of redefining success. And we've got uh, just a, a comment here. We've got Carlos who's here. It is true in recent decades, the value and concept of success and excellence has has risen. And it really allows, as you said, that there's those, some of those core values. And I love each of the core values that you mentioned in, in um, you know, each of the, the five, five areas. Five areas. Um, it would be very difficult to, to choose one from each, but I can see how they may be very different, the, the choices of a team, but they're very much, they blend together so beautifully. Well, on that, I, I did a little experiment with a, um, with a basketball group. I had the ability, um, it was a, a WA state group, um, and I was presenting to, um, to the men and the women in two, two separate presentations. Um, and I asked, because uh, the exercise, of course, that I like to do is get, once I've explained what the different values are, so say wisdom, learning and growth in the confidence value, the team gets to pick what they want their value to be. So it's not, I'm not picking it for them. It's the value that they want to choose. So we did this same exercise for the men and for the women. And what was so fascinating was that confidence confidence, connections and character were all identical for both the men and the women. So this wow. was the this was an um, eight under 18 state basketball team. So the men and the women picked the four identical values in those four areas. Incredible. For the fifth area of caring, the women picked compassion mm-hmm. and the men picked respect. And, and just very interestingly, without having done, you know, a full-on research study or anything, I'm yeah. often finding that um, particularly in that one category, for women, compassion is a value that stands well and truly above the others, yes. whereas respect for men is a, a value that stands well and, and truly above the others. So, right. yeah, just interesting to have those different sort of insights and perspectives there. Yeah, I love that. Look, we have just scratched the surface on what we are talking about today. And I know for people who are listening and watching in the recording as well, uh, Sasha may want to know more, may want to connect with you as well. So what's the best way for them to find out more about your work and how they may be able to work with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, My website is up and running, which is uh, peak preparation. It usually comes up um, um, pretty quickly on the Google search, which is good. Um, I am on LinkedIn, uh, just just under my name of Dr. Sasha Fulton, uh, all pretty well all the social media channels, um, mainly Facebook and um, Instagram. And um, I'm always contactable on, on phone or email. Um, and um, those are both available on my website. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing those insights uh, with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Always, always wonderful to be here. Thank you. You've been listening to Business Women Australia podcast. Want to become part of a dynamic collective of women who are passionate about business success and personal growth? Go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership to apply. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au forward slash membership.